1: He's New London's top cop, but his rise to Chief of Police came off the back of a controversial exit by the former Chief. We talk exclusively to Brian Wright, the new Chief of New London Police Department, about his first three months on the job. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott Smith. A little over three months ago, Peter Reichardt, the then Chief of New London Police, suddenly and without much explanation, exited his top job. He was promptly replaced by Captain Brian Wright, a New London Police Department veteran who was elevated to the position of Acting Chief in his place, and just one month later was promoted by the City of New London as their new Chief of Police. Now three months on, Connecticut East this week sat down with Chief Wright about the takeover what he's done in that time to the department and the challenges that still lay ahead. Welcome to Connecticut, East Chief. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself, because uh, people know, obviously, who Captain Wright
0: was, but we want to know a little bit more about Chief Wright. Well, the great thing is I'm the same person, just different title. I was born and raised in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where I attended uh, elementary and high school. I attended the University of Rhode Island on an athletic scholarship, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in the business field, and shortly after that, I uh, took the test to become a new London police officer on a wager, best wager I ever took. I can't think of anything else I would have loved to have done, and I've had the opportunity to do many different things with the department. Um, The city, the department, has always showed me love, and uh, the admiration is right back at the city of new london and the department in 2015 i had the opportunity to attend the national fbi academy and moving through the ranks i find myself in the position of being chief of police which i am extremely blessed honored and humbled by
1: we're going to talk obviously a little bit more about that you said a, a wager was that with your sister
0: no uh, my sister was the caveat that enlightened me about the test in new london it was a long f- Friend of mine, um, I had the pleasure of attending school from kindergarten throughout high school with several of the same people, and a good number of them got into the law enforcement field. And uh, my sister, who happened to be at my parents' house, who had been living up this area since she was married, was reading the day paper and talked about the opportunity for a law enforcement job with the New London Police Department. A friend of mine who was also in police work heard, and after the comments. He made me a wager to see if I would take the test, which I took. I took the test and was fortunate enough to pass and then the wager was doubled up and 27 years later here I am doing something I enjoy immensely. What I appreciate greatly about it is it gives me an opportunity to work with people, which I love. It gives me an opportunity to learn more about myself, my strengths and my weaknesses. And to gain insight and perspective from other people. And I I think of nothing that's more admirable, and I'd rather be doing.
1: The city of New London, sort of like, always prides itself on its diversity. You're the first black police chief ever
0: for the city. Why do you think it's taken this long? I don't necessarily know, and I would say with complete confidence, not necessarily a New London issue, it's a larger issue. I think it comes down to opportunity for persons of colour and women to have an opportunity to sit at the table and have exposure to the things and the path to uh, make it to the head of their respective agency or department but i think it's growing i think it will continue to grow and hopefully somewhere down the road i can look back and see where it's not the exception but the norm for the City of New London or many other law enforcement agencies to have more diversity in their upper ranks and at the command position.
1: just before we started this conversation, we had a chat about some of the questions I was going to ask you. One of them is obviously, and I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask you about the previous uh, chief stepping down. We're not going to go into all the details about that. But I just wanted to just briefly ask you, you know, what were your feelings around all of that? It became very public. It became quite an issue, not only obviously for him, but it became an issue obviously for the city and also for the police department. So, you know, how did that affect you and what do you do going forward?
0: For me, it's, there's too much to be done in the great city of New London to dwell on something in the past. My focus is centered on collaboration, transparency, and partnership. I owe too much to the New London community and NLP personnel to lag on any particular subject. Our goal or my goal is to progress, move forward, and uh, return the city to its glory days. I think the city of New London has so much to offer and the men and women of the agency do so much, I think many times the effort and the service that is put forth is not readily recognizable. And a lot of times officers do things that are not greatly publicized or on their own accounts, reserve and don't want it known, but I say without reservation, first hand accounts, so much that is done by the women and men of this agency that are just extraordinary. And I'm for lack of a better way, just humbled and honored to be amongst their ranks and work with them as well as community members. I think the city of New London, Whaler Pride is extensive and it bleeds green and gold. And I think everyone in general, including our residents, our visitors, And staff and personnel of the city as a whole just want to do good things and move forward. And I think that's we're in the right, going in the right direction.
1: Let's also talk about your official swearing-in ceremony as well. That was an amazing event here in downtown New London. But that wasn't without a little bit of controversy as well. The city's poet laureate, Joshua Brown, was criticized by many in law enforcement and outside of law enforcement about a poem that he read at your swearing-in ceremony. What was your take
0: on that? While the topic of Mr. Brown's presentation is an important one and one that mandates discussion, uh, the selective venue and timing was not the appropriate one, in my opinion. Unfortunately, a situation was created that drew people away from listening to understand. A divisive dynamic instead of a unifying dynamic was created. General categorization is never appropriate. Consideration and empathy is important and essential for everyone. I would welcome the opportunity to share dialogue with Mr. Brown at any time and setting that provides the opportunity for exchange of insight and perspective. I think it would be beneficial to us both.
1: The other question I want to put to you as well is back in July of 2020, you attended an event in New London where the keynote speaker was Gwen Carr, the mother of Eric Garner, who was killed by New York police officers back in 2014. Now, She was here to talk about police issues, and, and it was off the back of the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police just a few months earlier that year. Why was it important
0: for you to speak at that event? I think first and foremost, wrong is wrong in in both those situations. There were acts that were committed, which I'm in complete opposition to. And sort of like the attitude, see something, say something. I think we are bound by our professionalism and our sworn oath to protect life. And to create a situation where we negate that is just not proper. And just as we're sworn to enforce the law, we have an obligation, a duty to... uh, speak out against something that's wrong or improper.
1: As we said at the top of this, you know, you are the chief. It's been three months, and if we're technically accurate here, it was a month as acting chief and then two months as chief. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So you've taken over. You are New London's top cop. Um, What's changed in that time, not only for you, but also, you know, for the department? I know it's only been three months, but I'm sure things have changed.
0: I think for me personally, I'm trying to ensure that we're out and about more, we're engaging our community. I try to attend as many public or community events as I can, getting to know people, letting people get an opportunity to know me, share dialogue. Discussion is so important because we all have different perspective and insight, and it's important that we're able to understand and listen to one another and have those tough conversations as well as those joyous and fun-filled conversations but trying to get to a situation where stronger partnerships can be developed and built, working closely together with different entities throughout the community, engaging, connecting that gap that exists between us and young people. We have some programs which are in the works. I believe we will be extremely dynamic and proactive in these areas, and I must commend, once again, my staff. The personnel are on board and they're ready to do these things, which is when you have that buy-in, it makes things so easy. Talking of staff,
1: the police department is struggling with officer numbers, and it's not just you. Obviously, police departments across the nation are struggling to obviously find men and women, uh, you know, to become police officers. But also here in New London, there's a few pending cases which have been brought against the police department and the city. Sergeant Cornelius Rogers has obviously been well cited in many media reports. More recently, Police Lieutenant Robert Pickett. How are you handling all of this? Because some of this is historic, but of course, you were still here. Even even though you weren't the chief at the
0: time? We will continue to move forward as an agency. Uh, We'll let those matters play out in the arenas they're set or established to or scheduled to play out in. And we'll just continue to focus on the things that we have control over such as working closely with the community, being transparent, and developing a stronger partnerships.
1: Obviously, when it comes to obviously legal matters, fully respect that. But with regards to obviously police numbers, uh, what do you think you can do about that? Because, that, as we said, that is a general issue for police departments across this nation, and it is a struggle for everyone.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, there has to be a new dynamic in association with that. We can't rely on the old ways to recruit and get or increase our numbers. We have to all think outside the box and be more creative, taking better or making better use of social media and other platforms to uh, recruit personnel. And you have to be more active. Day and time where you can say personnel need and require and expect individuals to come to you no longer exists. You have to be really out there. So establishing protocols and procedures in which we are able to do that and taking advantage of any and every opportunity you have to engage with someone who is maybe a good fit or may be interested in this field of work. And even those young people who may be ready to join the rank and file in the next few years, I don't know of a day or opportunity it comes about where I don't actively try to discuss someone After we get through the pleasantries, how are you doing, this, that, and the other, we introduce, hey, have you ever thought about a career in law enforcement? And sometimes it may not be something that anyone's ever thought of, case in point with me, but if you give them an opportunity to have some insight, it might sway them, or having programs which develop interest, open forums, citizens' academies, youth academies, Explore program, things like that, which you can develop the interest or strengthen the hype in regards to a career. Law enforcement, like many other professions, are going through a difficult time or a changing time, I should say. And I I think while that is occurring, it's important that you take advantage of that as well and turn that negative into a positive and make it work for everyone that's involved.
1: The other thing, of course, that came up fairly recently, and again, was quite a, a public debate. In fact, it was a very public debate, was when the city councillors uh, wanted, and in fact did, revoke an ordinance on the amount of police officers for the city. The public soon had their voice heard and said, no way, and that has subsequently been reversed. Uh, one, you must be very proud of the fact that the the residents of this city clearly see the value in their police department but what sort of um, relationship does that create you know with obviously the city councils because and I'm not trying to obviously create a wedge here I believe having spoken to some of them that they did it with the best interests at heart but you know what does that do with relationships when those things come up because it, it does create challenges for people doesn't it?
0: I think the key thing is everyone in which has been the case remaining professional We're not always, always going to agree on any subject matter or topic. But being able to have that discussion, express your concerns, and move forward, I think only comes through dialogue and, once again, having those complicated or difficult situations. Sometimes you truly have to address the elephant in the room and move past it. I think, given the recent vote, we have moved past that and we're all trying to get to the next level and progress the city as uh, it so rightfully deserves.
1: Let's talk about the police union as well. The police union is always a vocal voice, as it were. Before you were chief, you were a member of the police union. My understanding is that once you become chief of police, you're sort of not really part of the union anymore, because clearly there's a little bit of a a disconnect. One, how does that work? And also the relationship with the union? I mean, that's changed. There's a new president now. I mean, do you feel that there needs to be some relationship building done there as well?
0: Yes and yes. When I became chief, I was no longer part of the union, which I understood upon taking the position. Second, the membership as well as the leadership of the union have been more than professional, more than open. We have shared great conversation. We both understand that it's imperative that we work together and our goals are similar. we just want what's best for our personnel and more importantly our city so therefore it's been smooth and like I said there are going to be times when we don't agree but the ability to move forward and be professional and have dialogue I think is key and so far so good we're both or all of us are on the same page, and it's been, I can't say enough, of their professionalism and uh, their ability to work together. If you have an opportunity to uh, preview the new uh, union website, it's magnificently done, and they're working real hard and trying to showcase what dedication and commitment they have to our great city. Now, at the end of the
1: day, it's all about the community. You're here to protect and serve the community like any police department in the nation. In the past, of course, there has been vocal support for New London Police Department, but also there has been criticism of the New London Police Department by certain quarters of the community as well. What's your strategy going forward for sort of better engagement? Because like you said, it's it's about communication. It's about having those tough discussions.
0: I think Most importantly, it's listening to understand rather than listening to respond. So many times, people get caught in listening to, okay, I have a response, I have a counterpoint, rather than listening, understanding and being empathetic to one's concerns or issues. Because we all have an insight that may be independent of one of another. And I, I think one of the key things is many times often, We get caught up in the tyranny of or. We have this or we have that. But we don't embrace the genius of and. We can have this and that. So I think once we all open our minds to that and we can have and versus or, we'll get where we're headed that much quicker.
1: And one of the things that I've seen recently on uh, social media, and you said that, uh, of course, the PD has been using social media uh, a lot more. It was a great little story about uh, you and the officers have been out and about, um, sort of with an ice cream truck, I suppose, is the sort of thing we can say, what's that about? Talk to us about it, because it's a nice story.
0: Absolutely. There, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many things that many officers do that want to stay under the radar. We have one particular officer, aka Mr. Friendly, or a soft serve. He has taken it upon himself on multiple times to see gays, and young people, particularly in the summer, hot days, and just reach into his pocket and buy everyone present ice cream, anything they wanted. And it hasn't necessarily been one or two kids, it's been a group of 20 plus kids. Yesterday, we started an ice cream patrol in which we went out in our command van to different neighborhoods, different areas making ice cream sundays. And we served over 100 kids yesterday and to see the smiles and actually stopping our command van multiple times in the middle of the road, "Hey, how are you? Would you like some ice cream?" and seeing the look on their face and then talking, sharing conversation, and then having a Sunday. Which I probably could have did less of but it was fun, and just the conversations that started up, and then going word traveling around, then coming to larger groups and large kids and you know making Sundays for the parents as well, it was priceless. You can't put a value on things that good to see a smile on a young person's face and also helping to detract from, hey, you know, I, I shouldn't want to necessarily or I need to be concerned about a police officer's really good. We've planned several more, switching it up. So I, I think I would advise everyone look out for that ice cream patrol.
1: I've got an extra question I'm just going to slip in, and you won't mind um, because it's not a tough one. In fact, it's. I think you'll like this question. What actually you know gets you motivated, gets you up in the morning and keeps you going, you know, after 27 years in law enforcement?
0: Oh, that's an easy one. That whale of pride the City of New London, the men and women of New London PD, that's all the motivation that I need. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm just honoured, blessed and humbled to know that when I wake my eyes up in the morning, I have the opportunity to do something I love to do and be amongst so many great people. I think there's no other greater motivation than that. Final question to you,
1: and thank you for your time, Chief. What message do you have for anyone, not anyone in particular, but, you know, just everyone out there listening? When, you know, they sometimes look at police, maybe it's the new London Police Department or other police departments in this nation and sort of, like, criticise the men and women in blue, and they call for things like, you know, the defunding of, of the police. What's your sort of message to them when they, when they call, call this out? Because it's hurtful to the police to hear that sort of comment the men and women do extraordinary jobs under extraordinary circumstances but you can also I'm sure see their point of view when they when they make these comments so what's your sort of message that maybe you've got as a parting message
0: I would respectfully request individuals to keep an open mind share conversation talk about the things that make you uncomfortable or you feel concerned or trouble you you can't rely on the fact that it should be known and I think many times when you do have those conversations, you'll understand on more things than not this commonality and agreeance. It's unfortunate that there may be some bad apples and some people who are not necessarily equipped to be in this profession. But across the board, and a majority, and a high majority, there are women and men who sacrifice the time with their family and would instantly sacrifice their well-being to help save and do the right thing. Um, As far as defunding goes, I think many times there's a misunderstanding and more of a request for restructuring. And all these things, all the issues that plague our community and society are things that need to be discussed. But it's important that it's done with an open mind. And as I made mention to earlier, the tyranny of the or versus the genius of the and. You don't have to not support police to have a better community. You can support your police and have good officers. It's not a situation where it's them or us It should be a situation of us and them. And I think if we all think in that capacity and work together, some great, awesome things can be done and achieved.
1: Chief Brian Wright of New London Police Department, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. So congratulations on becoming the chief of New London Police Department, and thank
0: you for being on Connecticut East this week. Thank you so very much, and it's always a pleasure. Green Valley Tree LLC is proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week. Contact Green Valley Tree LLC for all your tree removal and plant health care needs and more. Find us at GreenValleyTreeWorks.com or call 860-234-4041.
1: Time now for a look at some of the other stories making the headlines in the region recently. The French submarine Amethyst paid a visit to Subbase New London recently for a four-day visit to strengthen ties with the U.S. Navy. For Amethyst's Captain Americ Schaefer and many of his crew, it was their first visit to New England. There will be definitely a few official engagements with the U.S. Navy and as you can imagine my, my, my ship's company, my crew, they're very excited to, to be here to visit Connecticut, to visit the U.S. They will definitely, I think they, they've already planned to go most of them to New York City and uh, visit the, the area. Commander Samuel Bell of the USS Cheyenne hosted the visitors and recalled when he and his crew paid a visit to France a few years back. I was on the Hartford here out of Groton as my previous submarine back in 2017, and we actually pulled into Brest, France. And we were hosted by the French, and we actually got to march in their Bastille Day Parade. So we were one of the first U.S. units to march in Bastille Day Parade as a submarine unit. So for me, this is a bit of returning the favor. So it's actually an awesome opportunity. According to local history, the last time a French submarine visited New London subbase was the Sercouf in 1941. And when it left New London, it disappeared, believed to have been sunk by a German torpedo. Addiction prevention specialists in Connecticut are pushing for investments in substance use disorder programs to combat the state's rise in opioid overdose deaths since COVID-19 hit. Michaela Savitt from the Connecticut News Service reports.
0: In 2020,
1: Connecticut reported an increase of over 14% in fatal drug overdoses. Carol Jones, Director of Harm Reduction at Alliance for Living, attributes the upward trend to both new and emerging lethal substances and the high stress of the pandemic. COVID has exacerbated use for many people because of isolation or loss of jobs. People that have, you know, managed to be in remission for a while, lose a job, end up not knowing what they're going to do next, return to use. Jones's organization and other local agencies are seeking resources to get more Narcan, a medicine that quickly reverses an opioid overdose for first responders and the community at large. She also wants to see policy changes to allow more access to medicines that treat drug addiction, like suboxone and methadone. I'm Michaela
0: Savitt reporting.
1: Business owners in Eastern Connecticut have been finding out more about the business of cannabis at a special Chamber of Commerce event. It covered topics of cannabis use at work by employees as well as getting a license to become a cannabis grower in the state. Michelle Seagull is the commissioner for the Connecticut Department of Consumer Protection and says retail licenses are open to all who want them. We're working, there's a social equity council fully dedicated to implementing those social equity provisions and we're working closely with them. We have a deputy commissioner recently hired at the department, serves and chairs that council and really helps bridge and make sure that we're working perfectly in sync. Melissa Mayer is a pharmacist in the state and says she never thought she'd see legalization in her lifetime.
0: I have seen a lot of changes in the pharmaceutical industry. But if someone told me 10 years ago that I would be standing up here and being part of the greatest movement since Prohibition, I would have laughed at them. But times have changed and so has our need to remove the stigma that's
1: associated with cannabis. The Connecticut legislator passed a bill in July 2021 allowing the legal use of cannabis for adult recreational use in the state and for organizations to apply for licenses to sell cannabis in Connecticut from 2022. The bill also contained a social equity component to ensure that funds from the adult use cannabis program are brought back to the communities hit hardest by the war on drugs in the state. And we finish this episode a little differently this week. September 11th will mark the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this year, a terrible time in U.S. history of loss and terrorism that changed not only this country, but the world as well. For many born after the event, it's something they struggle to comprehend in a world where our freedom is taken for granted. Which is why the 9-11 Memorial and Museum Foundation has launched a powerful public service announcement about the anniversary to help a new generation to never forget. I urge you to go and watch it at 911memorial.org forward slash 20th anniversary, as its impact is visual, as well as carrying the song Never Break by John Legend. We're playing it here as a mark of respect for all the lives lost, both civilian and first responders. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.